0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live, and it is my honor to welcome our special guest tonight, April Billingsley. April, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great tonight. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm very excited to have you here on the show with us. So let's just get right to it, okay? You were uh, in two episodes of The Walking Dead. One of them was a very, very memorable one, and we'll get to that in a second. I wanted to ask you, being a part of the Terminus gang, what do you think of the media label that people have given the Terminus people calling them termites? I hate it. I, uh, really? I,
1: I mean, I don't... I don't really... I don't hate it. I don't, like, love it. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, for me, like... so much of like the horror genre is all about i don't know i don't mind it because to me so much of the horror genre is all about like pushing boundaries and things like that like sure i'll be a termite
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i was trying to come up with a, a name that i would like and i'm like you know what let's try to mix terminus and cannibals together and i came up with terminables Ooh,
1: okay, that's pretty cool.
0: That's pretty catchy. That,
1: that sounds way more badass. <laughs> like you could just step on us.
0: Exactly. So we, before we get to that infamous episode, how did you land the role of Teresa?
1: I auditioned, and the script was like, I it was some of the same lines that on like that I ended up having on set. But I had no idea I was going to be a cannibal. Mm-hmm. I had, I was like. the scene like the they always give dummy sides so like it was just like a three-line audition and i had no clue where i was or what i was really doing you know um until i showed up on set really it was kind of and it was um a fun experience like and i mean that genuinely like it you know it's just like interesting to be like oh that's what i'm doing oh, that's what it was, <laughs> you know,
0: that type of thing. So this was in the beginning of season five. Uh, what did you, well, actually, end of season four, season five. What did you think when you walked onto that set? Uh, by that point, The Walking Dead was reaching its peak, especially around season five. Were you uh, overwhelmed at the budget that was being thrown at this TV show? <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny because, not really, because so much of, like, the set feels like the world feels in a way. Yeah. Because even though they have all this money to make it, it's still, like, yeah, they built the church in the, you know, the Four Walls in a Church episode I was in. But it felt like it'd been there forever. So they did, like, such a good job that you just didn't think it was, like, money. You just thought... Oh, this is real yeah or like when they went to do my makeup too instead of like you know like I, I was in an episode of the outsiders where they gave me a wig to match my hair it was like the exact color of my hair and it was like a lace wig it was hbo and i was like they had money because they got me i was a, on the show for one day and they got me like an 800 hundred dollar lace wig wow but this show it's like when like for walking dead when we got to the makeup they they put on some fake dirt on their hands and they go
0: <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> just make you look as raggedy as possible. Uh, now, w- you were in that episode, right, with the whole barbecue thing. Uh, mm-hmm. what yes. w- just give us your initial reaction when you read you were going to be there eating someone's leg while they were still alive. Did that, like, freak you out? Did you like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, you showed you the
1: reaction. I didn't. I don't know that I had words for it. It was more like, it was like. okay
0: they're doing this they're really doing this uh uh, what was your experience like working with andrew west Uh, i heard everybody loved him and he's just really fun to work with andrew west of course being gareth
1: oh yeah he was so so lovely such a wonderful human and just so talented um we Yeah, because we ate lunch together every day, and he he was really nice. He was excited to get the role and be doing it, and, of course, he was phenomenal. So.
0: Now, for me as a viewer, I was really surprised on how short-lived the Terminus story was. They spent the whole half season, the, the latter half of season four, building up to everybody going to Terminus. But it was over in two or three episodes, pretty much. The four walls and a roof episode was really, it was the end of the Terminus people. Uh, did you, I'm i am sure you would have hoped it would have gone on a lot longer and you would have had more time on the show, right? I mean,
1: who, who doesn't want to work more? <laughs> but I mean, also who doesn't want to get killed by Michonne, so.
0: Exactly, and... <laughs> so let's just go to that infamous episode uh one of the most memorable episodes uh to date and they've had plenty of them where we see just absolute rage vengeance you can throw a whole bunch of words into the mix that was put on display by the survivors who were against the terminus people that they shouldn't live especially with andrew lincoln who plays Rick Grimes? Is he was dead set on not letting any of the terminus people live, on how, basically because of how they were living. What was the setup like uh, leading into that infamous scene where everybody was in the church and you guys got butchered?
1: What explains? What do you mean by setup?
0: Like... I mean, what was like. We all, I've, all, I've heard stories on how Andrew Lincoln, once he goes on the set, he goes into character and he stays into character throughout the whole day. Uh, what was the atmosphere like when filming that scene when the massacre happened in the church?
1: You know, that's funny because that was not my experience with Andrew Lincoln. Ah. He, I actually like remember I was sitting there and one of the front pews of the church waiting for my scene to be filmed and I think he'd already done like his big huge long thing, so maybe he was like kind of giving himself a break or rest afterwards. But we were sitting there and somehow love actually came up. (laughs) (laughs) And and I was just sitting there, I was like, I watch that every Christmas.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he turned to me and he just was like, You're not a cannibal at all. You're like really sweet. him being in character uh, that
0: conversation. Well that's good to know that's good to know here a little different side about Andy Lincoln Uh, when it came down to shooting it uh, it all happened so quickly they were of course focused on Rick taking out Gareth uh, but we know Abraham and Sasha uh, were participating in the massacre as well Uh, we don't get to see them except through like the wide angle lens in regards to what Michael Cudlitz was doing and Sonequa. Uh but you were a part of that group that was getting massacred, correct? Correct. Yeah. Do you know who took you out in particular?
1: Yeah, Mishaan killed me.
0: Ah, so it was, okay. A cool
1: shot of it. It, uh, you, it's hard to see. I mean, I'm wearing a black leg or whatever, but I had a fun little like yeah, thing. She hit me with her right with a rifle.
0: Did they look like, uh, I don't know, this is going to probably sound like a twisted question, but Andrew, Michael Cudlitz, and Iqua, uh, you know, uh, denied, they, did they look like they were having fun just, I don't know, hacking up dummies, you know, speaking of mannequins, just going to town on them and so on?
1: I mean, they look like they look like when you film them. <laughs> <When> you, <laughs> if you see it,
0: that's what they look like. <laughs> Can you <remember? laughs> uh, uh, Now, Terminus was uh, a community. Did they give you this backstory? We got to see it as viewers. Terminus was originally a, a safe haven, like we hear uh, Gareth explain. Uh, it was originally a safe haven. They were overrun, which led them to start living like cannibals and just inviting people in so they can basically eat them. Did they give you that backstory as an actress and being a part of the Terminus community?
1: So, no, but... And we wouldn't have known it at the time that we filmed it because it wouldn't have, you know, aired yet. I don't think it did. Oh, gosh. I can't remember.
0: It's been a while. But,
1: But I did look... Yeah, so maybe it had... Ugh, I can't remember. But I, you know, I found out the day before I was shooting who I was and uh-huh. I had very limited information um but I I my character teresa was in the comics yes and I found that out um I don't even know if I was supposed to know that or not <laughs> but I looked it up and looked up the backstory of the the terminables is what we're going to call them now uh i i looked up you know what i could from the comic books and whatnot and i've been kind of keeping up with the with the comic books best i could because i always like playing the game of predict where they're gonna go or what story they're gonna use Uh you know comics
0: yeah yeah now uh we all hear the stories especially on a show like the walking dead they keep everything very tight-lipped very guarded Were you only given parts of the script that just involved yourself or were you given like four walls and a roof? Were you able to read the whole script? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, they just gave you your part and that's it, right? Oh, you froze. Let's see if we can get April back. Oh, there we go. Hold on. One second, guys. Let me get April back. I gotta love when that happens. I hope her Wi-Fi didn't go down. Let me try again. Alright, we got you back. There we go. We got you. We got you. We got you. So the question was, did they, we know how tight-lipped they are uh, in secrecy. Uh, In your episodes that you appeared in, did they just give you uh, only part of the script that involved your scenes, or did you get access to the whole script?
1: I only got the parts that involved my scenes. But I think that some of the bigger characters, like for instance, like Andrew West. Like I'm pretty sure he got to read the, the entire script, but they, you know, they're very, very careful about that on the show. I mean, I think the episode that I was on uh, in, on four walls in a church, actually, there was somebody who had like snuck onto the set, like through a bush or something. It was, you know, so the, they, you know, (laughs) like trying to film stuff. And I remember it was like a big deal and they had to like go catch him and
0: stuff i was like okay so yeah we
1: like tight and secure with all of that
0: absolutely we hear all those stories on just they're very they got to be careful they got to be careful these days uh going into this show you've done quite a bit of horror since then as well would you consider yourself a horror fan yes and no like i
1: haven't always been a horror fan i my first experiences with horror were like my siblings when I was very young making me watch things like Chucky or the candyman um, and I was like a little kid so like I remember sleeping outside my room for like like almost a month to protect my family from my like stuffed animals and dolls <laughs> um, like that really happened so it like Took me a while because I was I I was so easily scared Um, like even like there was a Scooby-Doo episode in a haunted mansion when I was a kid that I remember where like Scooby um not Scooby Shaggy sorry sorry, sorry. Shaggy looks into a haunted mirror and it's his evil self and his evil self jumps out and laughs and puts him in the mirror and like I never saw in the episode where he got back out of the mirror And I voided mirrors for a whole year.
0: Uh, I don't know. uh, We're going to stay on this Scooby-Doo topic because I never watched Scooby-Doo growing up, but I have three teenagers. So them growing up, I actually did watch along with them quite a bit of Scooby-Doo. And some of those Scooby-Doo episodes are pretty damn freaky.
1: They're scary. They are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, but I've kind of come to love it as I've gotten into it. I think I first started getting cast in like, scary stuff. Like one of my first horror films ever was this movie called Andre the Butcher years ago. It's like, oh yeah. Well now people will probably watch it because I brought it up. But I mean, it's funny. It's like campy. It's like a culty, you know, style film. But it, um, but I like, as I got into it and like saw how things were done and whatnot, it really made me appreciate it more and more. And I really like, I tend to like, like psychological, thrillers because there's too. so many different like genres and subgenres yeah. and whatnot yeah. of horror so there's certainly ones that I like better like I, I probably still won't watch scary doll movies um <laughs> like Annabelle
0: is definitely not on your queue no okay
1: but like but in a way I think it's good that I've gotten into it and, and like them now and I'm into it and I've met all these fans and I think it's, they're I think it's really awesome because it's all about like pushing those boundaries and going, mm-hmm. are you scared of that? Let's go there. Let's go beyond there. Let's do something even like, let's, what's the creepiest, grossest, whatever, most taboo thing. And let's make a movie about it. You know, like, I just think there's something great and about that and about like the community that says, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. gut. I don't know. And, and Yeah i've come to I've come to like really love and appreciate both horror films and horror fans, even if now I feel like people are gonna come up to me at conventions with scary dolls like, <laughs> <laughs> like please don't do that please don't do that
0: <laughs> would you say you being in horror movies helped you appreciate the genre and maybe become less afraid of it because obviously shooting it shooting it is a whole different experience, right? It's not scary to shoot it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and like learning how it's done and whatnot. And, you know, now when I see blood, I think sticky and yummy. I don't think, ooh, blood. I think, tastes like corn syrup. Like, <laughs> but then sometimes that happens when I see real blood too, which is probably not good. <laughs>
0: Desensitized <Do laughs> you. To you. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Now, has there been any movie that you starred in that when you saw the final product, uh, it actually freaked you out? Might have even scared you a little bit? Okay, so that's good. That, that, that's definitely a good start. Uh, moving forward in your career, are, I mean, as any actor, I assume you want to expand your horizons, do all sorts of different roles and whatnot but do you particularly enjoy doing horror movies?
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I love the fans and I love, yeah, I love, I feel like the community really has an indie spirit and I'm into that. And I, I think you can really, as I was mentioning before, I think you can push boundaries with it. I think that you get some really awesome. There's some really awesome roles with really great arcs and I, you know, you can be badass and die all sorts of fun ways. I mean, I love dying. I have, I might have, according to the interwebs, and somebody who wrote an article about it, I might have set a record for dying the same night that I died on four walls in a church. I died on this other series that I was uh, a recurring character on called Resurrection, and they were first airings of both shows, and I died, they had the same time slot, so I died within 10 minutes of each other.
0: That has to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Come on. I mean...
1: It might, it might be a record. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so, move. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's definitely something to be proud of. Uh, I have never heard or seen anybody on a live airing of two separate episodes dying in two different shows within minutes of each other. That's pretty damn cool. Let's go into another movie that you appeared in. Another popular movie called The Dark Red. It's an incredible movie. The ending was really badass. How fun was it shooting those ending scenes in the big red the dark, the dark. red sorry yeah.
1: so the entire the entire movie was probably my favorite thing I've ever done uh,
0: um
1: okay. yeah, well it was my friend. I got to work with my friends um but uh the the ending scenes are like yeah definitely awesome because the rest of the movie. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm trying not to give anything away. If you haven't seen it yet, y'all should watch it. It's, you can watch it on um, you can watch it on Amazon if you the Amazon video if you yeah, have crime, yeah. you can watch it. And then also it's on Tubi for free if you mm-hmm. don't have that. Um, so yeah, so the the Act Three stuff it was such a it was like so cathartic mm-hmm. because of all the crap I. You know my character had gone through all the crap that bull had like lived through it was yeah i always want to be i love
0: kicking ass now now the dark red is definitely what i would call a psychological thriller Mm -hmm. uh doing a psychological thriller as opposed to other sub genres in the horror is there any kind of different preparation as an actor that you need to do uh, because psychological thrillers, it's not about blood, guts, gore. It's all about character building, character based and uh, having the viewer uh, engage with that character, uh, which you did brilliantly in The Dark Red. How is it? Did you do any kind of preparation that was different from any of the other stuff that you might have done?
1: I think every role is
0: unique
1: And mm-hmm. how you prepare. Um so some of the things I did extra for the dark red weren't necessarily in my acting part of it. Because for me, if you're playing a character that might or not might or might not be crazy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they never think that they're crazy. Exactly. So it's as long as you know that, you just prepare like you it's your you believe it. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah the way, the, what you just said is like, how do you explain to somebody who's in the middle of a psychotic break, hey, you're in the middle of a psychotic break, because according to them, they're fine. You're the one that's off.
1: Well, and, and I think that, for me, I don't, some people, when we did like talkbacks for the movie, would be like, oh, it's obvious it's this way or it's that way. For me, it was never obvious even when it was finished, that it was this way or that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, would- absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's a lot, depending on a matter of perspective, on how the viewers interpret, whether it's yeah. a scene or an entire movie. Uh, what was the audition like for Sybil? Uh, you know, and did it differ from any other uh, types oh, of yeah. auditions? You said you did it with friends. So, did you, you know, did you even have to audition?
1: I did, I did. Um, Dan was the, Dan Bush is the director. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. Um, I came in to this, so he was, he'd asked me to read for it, but he was reading other people as well. And I and I was like, oh, oh, I know this is a good, like, I just knew it was a good role for me. You know, you're just like, oh, I can do this. This is going to be awesome. Um, but it was funny because the night before I went in, for the audition, like I like bumped my eye or something happened to my eye, uh-huh. and like I don't know if you've ever gotten this where your eyes gotten super bloodshot, and then yeah. it's like it, like there's like a giant like there's, was like a giant red like yeah. spot in my eye that looked like I looked crazy. I was like I beat up like, and I just remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, <gasps> works,
0: <laughs> exactly,
1: being <laughs> like I'm just gonna own it, and um. Yeah, so that was kind of funny and fun. And then I just, you know, went in there and let loose and did my thing. So
0: When you went, when you went to audition, did you already read the script for the movie?
1: So the script was only partially done when I auditioned. Okay. So the way we actually made the movie was we filmed one act at a time, and there was time in between. And we filmed the, psycho- the psychologist stuff last. Okay. And that was kind of a trick to indie movie making that if we missed anything, we could fill it in, in the talky bits. (laughs) Don't tell, but I think it worked for us. Um, So the script, there was like an outline of it and then they were really still building it. And it was cool because they, you know, took my input on it. Um, Certainly they, you know, Dan um, and Connell are the writers like, Definitely, but, like, if I had interesting things or whatnot, they would always consider, and, you know, we kind of developed the characters, the character together. Like, I know I had an influence, so that was really neat.
0: Was there something in particular that attracted you to the character of Sybil? Or just the overall thing? You're like, uh, you definitely want to be this character.
1: I mean... I love any character that goes, I mean, she had such, she has such a range she goes through. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's always like, ooh, you know, like, cool, like, yes, can I do it? It's a challenge. It's a challenge as an actress going, can I do that? Can I put myself there? And then also just, to me, that's fun, too, because not just it's not easy. It's not something simple. It's something that you really have to show up for and and bring your all to. And and I love that. Like, I'm not not one to... I mean, I'll take an easy role,
0: too, but... (laughs) (laughs) People, you can easily make the argument that there are some similarities between The Dark Red and, like, Rosemary's Baby. You think Rosemary's Baby played any kind of influence on the writers? I know you didn't write it, but... Okay, yeah, for
1: sure.
0: Definitely played an influence. Uh, now let's go on to something different. Uh, you appeared in an episode of The Vampire Diaries. Uh, what was that experience like? Um, that
1: was that was lovely. I did. I wasn't being weird. I was thinking about being a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. That was still weird. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> um, uh, that was. A really really great experience that was one of the first big like network things I ever booked it was so exciting and so fun to go to that set and you know um get made up and then we were shooting out in the woods and had to like do the you know pause thing where they're like we're gonna we're gonna kill you and then bring you back to life and then kill you again it's like Apparently that's become a, a pattern for me, <laughs> um, and uh, and I got to cry blood out of my eyeballs. Like I was like, this is this is a dream come true. I that sounds silly, but it kind of is because you're like, it's not real, but it's real. But it's not real. Like it's like, put you know, it was my first like big. I get to play make believe. Um.
0: Well, that's that's the whole fun part of it. Uh, Now, have you ever landed a role in a franchise or sort of a story, like The Vampire Diaries, Vampires? You were also in Star Trek uh, First Frontier. Uh, Did you ever land a role that put you in a franchise? Like, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan or if you're a fan of vampires, but you landed a role in something that was you know, meaningful to you growing up as a child into your early, uh, late teens, twenties, that you were like, Oh man, I am just so psyched about this one.
1: I mean, I mean, the thing that I was most psyched about was probably the dark red, but that's obviously not a franchise for my childhood. I, I, you know,
0: well, growing up, let me put it to you this way growing up as a teen, okay, what films or TV shows attracted you the most? Like, which ones would you particularly set well, out to watch?
1: I would say Vampire Diaries would be the closest to something like that I was really into as a kid. Okay, um, I watched the original Charmed as a kid.
0: Okay,
1: super into that. Um but then <laughs> I'm giving my age away here. <laughs> um, it's okay. Um
0: It's actually public knowledge, it's on the internet. Uh, <laughs>
1: what can you do? Um <laughs> uh no actually I don't I don't mind people uh knowing, but I am gonna make y'all look it up. I'm not gonna say it on the show. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh yeah so i mean i was into i i would love to do something that's like magic and horror yeah okay. Okay. like so i guess that's why i think like vampire diaries was close cuz it has magic in it and i got to be a werewolf and werewolves i'm, I'm into that
0: me too me too i'm into witches too i haven't
1: gotten to be a witch yet so
0: right, we'll plenty see. of time plenty of time left were there any uh challenging scenes or moments for filming either The Dark Red or The Perfect One, any particular sequence of events that were just physically or emotionally challenging?
1: Did you watch The Perfect One?
0: The, I've watched The Dark Red. I have not seen The Perfect okay. One yet. The
1: Perfect One got renamed. It's called Mommy Murder Group. Oh. Um, it premiered on Lifetime, and it's it's a really cool movie. Y'all should check it out if you know you're into mommy's in murder I might have a I might have a, a niche here uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so my character in mommy murder group also used to be known as perfect one uh, was locked up in a basement for She's locked up in a basement. I don't want to give it away, because now I'm like... Well, it's mm-hmm. all right.
0: I mean, here on the show, listen, the people watching, watching they know watching, we give spoilers. You
1: got a spoiler.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're fine. So, Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, my character, you do don't—you meet her at the very beginning of the movie, and then you don't meet her again until, like, halfway through the movie, and you find out that she's been locked up in a basement the whole movie, and uh, this crazy mom is... Uh, using it has stolen her baby and is using my character for breast milk (laughs) and it's killed my husband. (laughs) You totally want to watch this movie now, don't you?
0: (laughs) It sounds intriguing. I'll give you that much.
1: (laughs) Um, so like we had a whole scene where I had like a ball gag on and I'm screaming. Um, and, uh, it's funny. Cause I mean, there's always, I feel like anytime you really go there, like emotionally, it's always like, it's always a bit of a, like, Oh, okay. I need to like, let go of that now. Like same yeah. with like, when they ate my placenta or whatever. And, and this is of giving away all the things.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Um, but yeah, at, yeah, and then I always love movies where I get to learn new things, too. Like, I went to the gun range for The Dark Red to learn um, how to shoot properly. And then there's another movie I did long, called 12 Lives of Sissy Carlisle. It's not genre really at all, but I had to learn to shoot a bow and arrow for that. And I just thought – I always love it when I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I get to learn.
0: Exactly. Because
1: I – yeah. And then hopefully I don't – They then hopefully they – You know, I I learn well enough that I look like I know what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the perks of the job. One of the perks of the job. Uh, You were in another another, uh, project called Resurrection. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have done a lot of projects. Uh, Any favorite (laughs) scenes that you did that particularly stand out for you in Resurrection? For
1: Resurrection, like, that, there's a dinner table scene. Mm -hmm. There's you know, eight of us around the dinner table and, um, uh, you know, Kurtwood and Francis Fisher and, um, the woman who plays Catelyn Stark. And I mean, just like, I'm at a dinner table with these like legends, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and, um, and it's a whole like back and forth, whatnot. And I I don't know how much, how much you've been on, like, um, if you've done any dinner dinner table scenes on set, but they're, they always take a really long time because you never expect it. But when you have like eight people sitting around a dinner table, it's very difficult to get coverage. So even if it's a short scene, it takes like all day. Um, but it was kind of fun because it felt like, um, it felt like we were family, and then I got, like, berated out by, you know, Frances Fisher, and I was like, you know, she destroyed me emotionally, but I'm like, this is my dream. <laughs> and then, you know, I like, chased me out of dinner. It's good. That, that was awesome.
0: You mentioned uh, C- uh, Catelyn Stark. That's a Game of Thrones uh, reference. Are you a big Game of Thrones fan?
1: Oh, I love Game of Thrones.
0: All right, let me ask you this question. If you had a chance to play any character on Game of Thrones, who would you have loved to play? Not try to take this like who would you be best suited to play as an actress, but who would you have loved to play? Okay. I'm thinking. It's a tough one.
1: I'm pulling up a list so I can... You know what? It's not actually that tough
0: for me, now that I think about it, Aria. Aria. All right. Well, Aria. you know, Aria is your... I mean, she was young. We saw her as a young woman in the beginning of the uh, premiere of the series. She grew up, became very cold-hearted. She saved them from the army of the dead. She's the one that took out the Night King. Definitely the badass of the group. Now, her sister the character which i'm forgetting her sister's name on the show and that is very bad because what sansa sansa thank you she Um, goes
1: through like hell and i know most people would say they want to be daenerys but like i don't know yeah
0: daenerys uh you know khaleesi was by far a very popular popular character And, uh, for me, from the male side, I would be Jon Snow or Aegon Targaryen, as we find out his real name. You see, I give spoilers. I
1: mean, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, come
0: on. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, now you recently worked on Dead by Midnight, which includes, uh, Hannah, Hannah Fearman. Um, as well as one of our other upcoming guests, Kane Hodder. Uh, do you have any stories working now? I know you and Hannah are good friends. Yeah, uh, we are. You both seem to love working with people you know, friends in particular. It's a very friendly environment. Uh, I like any- whoever, but it's
1: fun. It's fun to work with. It's always like a blast when you're like, "Hey, friends," because I don't know.
0: Hannah right. seems like a real blast to be on the set with. Any fun stories to share about Dead by Midnight?
1: No, she kind of just like we're really good friends. So she gave me. Oh, actually, I do have a fun story. So we're really good friends. She gave. She's she wrote and directed an episode. And guys, when it comes out, you gotta watch it. It's brilliant. My bestie's brilliant. Uh-huh. She's also in the wraparound um acting in the wraparound and then she wrote directed this piece which is like she i'm just gonna brag about my friend for a
0: minute no that's right. Oh, she was our guest just a couple days ago
1: okay yeah so is, she has got such an interesting perspective i think she's she's a fantastic director because of how she sees the world mm-hmm. like she sees really dark stuff and just thinks it's funny um and and because of that, she's got this amazing sense of humor that she wraps into this creepy stuff that is like, I think that she's really, if she wants to continue pursuing directing, I think she's really gonna go far because she oh has my. such a unique perspective. Things that you know you're not gonna see or get from anybody else because her mind's just, that is who she is, you know? And so, uh, and anyway,
0: she's, she's not afraid to just share that with you and let her creative side just come out. And I asked her the other day, uh, you know, if she would had a choice to continue, whether it's acting or producing, directing, she didn't even hesitate. Producing all the way, she loves
1: to really? make
0: uh, films, and she loves bringing the creative side that comes from producing. And I mean, of course, she would love to As continue. And I'm like, no, no,
1: she needs to be a director.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean. Talking- And, you know, she did not hesitate at all. I mean, yeah, she still loves to be an actress, but her heart lies in uh, producing. It's just because of the whole creative aspect that producers get to bring to a project. Now, do you have any aspirations to do any behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, directing, producing, whatnot? So, unknown fact about
1: me, I went to film school uh, for production at Florida State. Okay. Um, and you know, I got in. I tried. To, I did a little like short film producing like long time ago, and I have like a bunch of random credits from film school, like on my IMDb. It's like sound mixer. I'm like, no, guys, no, I don't <laughs> know about that. Don't. Um, I appreciate it, but I can't do it. Um, but for me, I I coach. Um. Actors, like that's one thing that I really love doing is teaching other actors and whatnot. And okay. because of that's that, such- I think that I would really enjoy directing, but I'm not really pursuing it. Um, I love I love acting first and foremost, and um, and I could see myself potentially directing if if like it happened to fall in my lap or something. But I'm not like I don't need. You know, I don't need to do anything else. Um, I just think it might be fun if if the budget was good enough. I I think it's a very stressful thing to do on lower budget projects, yeah.
0: which is why yeah. I
1: um, I really enjoy acting and um, and you know coming in and getting to do the emotional work because I think it's a very different headspace to be in to do the production work. And I I so admire the people that go back and forth and do both.
0: Um, so in Dead by Midnight, uh was it Hannah that brought you on? She didn't make you audition, did she? No, she no. No. Okay. She, <laughs> you know, wasn't
1: she her script is mainly um is it tel- a hell evangelist yes. you know? Yeah. Um and her script's like I'm not one of the main characters. She just she's just like, You're gonna come on and do this funny little bit part for me and she wrote it for me basically and was like you're gonna do this and it it was great and i'll talk more about it when you guys see the movie or whatever
0: exactly when it comes out
1: yeah
0: uh now uh let's go back when did you decide that i've heard many stories actors become actors because they're sort of backed into it they were in the right place at the right time They went along with a friend who went to audition, and they ended up auditioning, and the rest is history. How did you get into acting? Gosh. I mean, was it always as growing up as a little girl, you just had...
1: It It was always a dream of mine. I can tell you, actually, my very first memory, in a way, I think, led me towards wanting to be an actor. Because one of my first memories was realizing I was only myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be any other people and what? I thought well, if I want to be other people <laughs> um, so I think I was always kind of dust and bored. I did my first paid production in a play when I was 10 I played Pearl in the Scarlet Letter
0: and you got 10. paid mm-hmm. Wow! it was at,
1: at a playhouse in downtown Atlanta yeah
0: not bad not bad so
1: I, I never i never became like a child actor or did any of that i i didn't start pursuing it again until i i was um you know on my on my own
0: when was uh, like so many other actors uh starting out on stage at the age of 10 uh when was the last time you actually did a stage production
1: i actually had a non-profit For a little while, we, we we dissolved it recently, you know, COVID and work life and all that. But I had a nonprofit called, um, act for a change and we would get different creatives in Atlanta to write and direct and act. And we did like a series of a short, like series of one acts nights. And then we would, um, have people vote on which one was the, their favorite. And each, each like team had a charity they chose. And then we'd give all of the proceeds, all of the, the money we made to that charity that's so nice um, yeah so I acted in one of those and that was pretty recently and then I did another like a uh, type of sh- short night like that for another company in Atlanta a um, couple right before COVID I think
0: okay yeah. so what was your first project in front of a camera that would you that you would say was your first professional paying gig in front of a camera not on stage?
1: Well, I got cut out, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got cast as a goth chick on one tree hill on this episode, and um, Oh,
0: then and they cut your scene out?
1: Yeah, I had, like, one line, it was one word, the pacing didn't work. It's kind of like, once I went to film school, I kind of understood why things would get cut, because yeah. you're a lot of times you're like, oh, it has nothing to do with me. I mean, sure, it could, but most of, most of the time, if you're a smaller role, it's just for time or mm-hmm. for, like, clarity of story. And, like, so I never take it personally anymore. But that was pretty rough for my first project, years ago.
0: And it was such but, a popular show, too.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it was the same, I think, same creators, producers and all that that did Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I did end up, getting to do something else with them. Yeah, it was a popular show. It was it was a really great experience, regardless of that. But that was my first um, network booking. Yeah.
0: yeah. Are you uh, a native of Atlanta? Were you raised there, born there? I mean, I ask this a lot, because it still boggles my mind on how big of a uh, TV film mecca Atlanta has become. Uh, would you say... I mean, the first project that I ever heard being done in Atlanta was The Walking Dead. But it appears that it goes, I mean, I know now for a fact, there is a lot of shooting, movies, television that happen in Atlanta. How does that make you feel about your hometown?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm delighted. My husband works um, behind the scenes and... So he always has the IOT list and I'll like read down, you know, to me, all the things they're filming and it's always just like, Oh my gosh, it's so much. It's so great. Yeah. So it's, it's been pretty awesome. I came, I lived in LA for a little while and actually came back here around the time that things started to pick up, which was way before, well, a few years before walking dead mm-hmm. really um, got going strong, I think so.
0: So let's say a young uh, actor, actress comes up to you aspiring would you say to them yeah go to LA that's where you need to go or would you say you know if you you have a better chance in Atlanta what, what advice would you give them as to if they're looking to move let's say they live in small town America somewhere and they're an aspiring actor where would you tell them to go for their best chance to catch a break
1: probably Atlanta
0: because L.A. is just flooded with, you know, everything.
1: Yeah, because a lot of people go to L.A. And Atlanta, you know, they cast locals for the things that film because it's they don't have to pay to fly somebody in for the smaller roles. So if you're starting yeah. out, you know, you're looking to get smaller roles to begin with, you're going to get a lot more experience and have a lot better chance coming to Atlanta. But I'd also say... To any aspiring actress, do what makes you happy, mm-hmm. because I also feel like even though I said, oh, I would say this, I also feel like there's no one path that that everybody has their path. And it, being somebody who teaches actors and a lot of young actors and things like that, it's really important for me to sort of impress upon them that it's about enjoying your life, Yeah. having, and however way you can make acting a part of your life that it enriches it um, and brings you joy. Because I find with so many young actors, so much rejection and whatnot that it, it can really, you know, if you, if you don't put it in the right perspective, it can, you know,
0: um, take its toll. Exactly. So. You've got to have a very thick skin uh, in this industry. Now, uh, it sounds like teaching actors, it really means a lot to you. Uh, first of all you don't have any kind of uh brick or mortar acting studio yet do you
1: no no not at the moment um i a friend of mine is actually launching her her studio and uh it's not open yet but i'm gonna that's i'm sort of in between for that for right now and i'm going to um i'm gonna coach at her studio when she opens up so uh, I'll announce it on facebook and uh my instagrams and stuff i'll make sure people know where where
0: they can would you love one day to be able to open up your own acting studio
1: nope
0: no just (laughs) right now you're just happy uh whether it's you coming on the set with an up-and-coming actor actress and just giving them advice uh and doing the thing at your friend's acting studio and helping out but no aspirations down the line, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now. Uh, Listen,
1: I, I don't know where I'm gonna be 20 years from now, <laughs> let's be real, but um, I actually am launching a skincare company right now. Okay. It's called com. Um, it's a CBD skincare company. It's a lot of work to start a company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> and so just to me I'm just like no I don't want to start my own studio right now because I've got I know what it's like to start a business and that is that I don't want the business side of it to take away from my from my joy of the actual thing that I like doing
0: okay that totally makes sense Uh, do you have any preference between film or television no
1: because I feel like television has become has has raised the bar so much oh yeah and there's so many different avenues and mediums now that uh television can be just as it, i mean the marvel television shows like they they've given them basically the same budget as the movies yeah there's i mean i just feel like there's no there's not as much of a divide as no. there used to be
0: no no and especially now Post well, not post yet, but we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel with covid here in the yeah. u s uh yeah. studios production companies distribution they've had to uh adjust uh they were going down that path, but Covid forced everything to happen a lot sooner than they were prepared for uh and you yeah. see all these different companies trying out different models on how to release movies at home and to limited theaters and maximize their profits at the same time and depending on the studio and what film they release you will see like Spiral. uh the new movie spiral that came out i talked about this yesterday uh they're trying out twenty dollar movie rentals for where you rent the movie on video on demand uh, it's out available now, and it's also still in theaters, I believe. And you, $20, you rent it for 48 hours. Now, 20 bucks, most of the time buys you a movie, not just rents it. Yeah. So it's just an example of how different studios are just trying out different models, and they're just trying to find their way on what's going to stick and what's going to work. Uh, what would you say is your all-time favorite horror movie?
1: Okay, this is, um, I'm not sure that you would exactly classify it as a horror movie, but I already mentioned to you that I like um,
0: Psychological. Psychological.
1: So, I kind of classify it as a horror movie in that way. It's Requiem for a Dream.
0: Okay, I've seen that. No, I could definitely um, see that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's, the character work is incredible. It's a complete mind F, like just full and complete, like the world it drags you into. I mean, you can't get it. I mean, it's just, I think it's just a masterpiece and very well done. It's certainly not a movie I'd want to watch again and again and again, but, uh, but definitely like a movie I'm never ever going
0: to forget. Exactly, it's just one of those things that just it, it just sears a little part of itself in your memory forever. What would you say was, oh. your, would you? Well, first of all, uh, continuing in acting, are, are you still finding yourself? You're learning different stuff, uh, not only about acting but about the industry. You've been in it for a while now. To this day, you're still learning new stuff. Or have, I am mean,
1: like life learner as a human being <laughs> I always <laughs> want to learn new things so yeah definitely yeah
0: <laughs> has there ever been a role that you've turned down
1: um, without
0: mentioning the role I'm not going to ask you that but just a basic general question has there ever been a role that you've turned down for one reason or another
1: if you consider like a not turning down a non-paying role turning yeah. down okay. i've turned down i've turned down roles that didn't pay anything and and mainly like with indies you know if it sounds like like i would turn down a role if it if it seems like it's probably not actually gonna get made
0: okay you know yeah when is you? when do you know uh in the uh, in the entertainment industry you audition you get a role I mean, have there been films that I've actually filmed and just have never been released?
1: That's like 50% of indie movies.
0: Really? That high?
1: Maybe 75%. Wow. Yeah, I don't turn down indie roles. But it's like, you know, for me, if it's an indie and it's really low paying, I really want the script to be really good and the character to be really interesting. And if you're going to pay me my full SAG day rate, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm never going to turn that down. Well, I'd never say never. I mean, maybe one day, but probably not. Like, you know, I mean, let's schedule conflicts or whatever, you know. But Exactly.
0: Um, exactly. But wow. Yeah,
1: most of these never see the light of day. So it's just, I think it's important to be mindful about working with people to actually finish their
0: work. Yeah. I did not think that number was going to be that high. That surprised me. Have real-
1: you ever asked anybody else about that?
0: No, you're the first one.
1: Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, I won't. I won't be the only actor to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we all we all kind of know that most indies, especially low budget indies, don't ever get released. Yet.
0: Yeah, it all depends on so many different things: investors, financing, and whatnot. Sometimes
1: uh, get into an argument. The filmmakers get into an argument, and then they can't decide on rights, and so it's oh showed.
0: god, rights <laughs> that have been that has been the death of so many projects, and. Yeah. Duh, that's a whole story on itself. We are actually out of time. This hour just flew by. Wow, well, uh,
1: talking to you. Thank it's you been
0: so- great talking to you. I've never talked to a cannibal before. Mmm, <laughs> leg. You, uh, you had a part of barbecue, the infamous barbecue leg. April, leg. thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute treat having you here, talking to you. Having you share your experience with us. Uh, any final thoughts before we go?
1: Thanks for having me. And
0: absolutely, it's been a, our pleasure. Our yeah. pleasure. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, April, for joining us. Till tomorrow, guys. Uh, we have Damien Maffei. Hannah corrected me on his name. I called wow. him Maffei. She's like, it's my Maffei. I'm like, ooh, excuse the F out of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy enjoy getting to know him. He's really
0: awesome, too. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, April. Uh, guys, till tomorrow, stay safe. Stay walking. Good night.